From McKinsey's Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. Today's discussion focuses on how companies are relying upon their corporate purpose to help guide their response to the COVID-19 crisis. We recorded this discussion during a webcast we held earlier this year in May. It was led by Bruce Simpson, a senior partner in our Toronto office who serves major companies across a range of sectors and who also leads our work on corporate purpose. Bruce engaged with four senior executives on their experiences in establishing and driving corporate purpose and how they've seen purpose help their organizations through the crisis. In addition to Bruce, our guests include Rona Hulbert, the general manager at British multinational retailer Marks & Spencer, Hubert Jolie, the former CEO and executive chairman of consumer electronics retail chain Best Buy, Roma McCaig, vice president of corporate responsibility and sustainability at Campbell's Soup Company, and Rory Simpson, chief executive learning officer at Telefonica and leader of the Telefonica Corporate University. Bruce will kick us off with an overview of corporate purpose and why it's so important today. We're going to talk today about purpose and ESG and why it's important now during COVID. Let's start by defining a purpose. Purpose is about your core reason for being and the resulting positive impact your company has on the world. Every company had a purpose when it was first conceived. And for many, that may be the case of rediscovering that heritage. What would the world lose if you disappeared? That's what your purpose is. It's also uh, about embedding this into your strategy. Purpose is not the same as philanthropy. Philanthropy is important, but we're talking about how to really build this into the muscle, which starts, of course, with strategy. It also is important that it excites your people. Purpose doesn't matter unless it's built into the day-to-day lives of our frontline employees who are so important during COVID. It's also about engaging customers and the community. Your corporate frontier is expanded with purpose to include stakeholders, broader society. What are you doing for them? And how do you embed that into your core products and services? Are there choices that you have made? A purpose journey requires you to actually choose to stop doing some things. And if there aren't any stop do's, you probably haven't gone deep enough. You need to embed it also in your culture. Now, purpose isn't the same as ESG, but the purpose dialogue does play out across the different themes that we see in the ESG framework. So what's the interplay between purpose and ESG or the environmental, social, and governance concerns? At one level, ESG is just a list of topics. But when discovering and then embedding your purpose into the company top to bottom, it will play out with choices that this list of themes can provide. First of all, what is your vulnerability? For example, if you're a cell phone manufacturer and two-thirds of the plastic in the cell phone is not recyclable, if the phone isn't designed to be fixed but has to force a new purchase when it breaks... Uh, you may want to fix that because society pushes you to focus on that vulnerability. Interestingly, 60% plus of the extractive sector now embeds purpose into the compensation and bonuses of senior executives. 
showing that those companies are actually serious about reducing their carbon footprint, which is clearly a vulnerability for them. That's a purpose proof point, embedding it in compensation. So what is your vulnerability is the first question. That might be an internal vulnerability to do with your culture. A number of tech firms have suffered uh, by having a terrific uh, societal purpose, but their internal culture and lack of diversity and inclusion has led to some employee activism, which can then underline the need to go a bit deeper uh, internally. Now, purpose is also about discovering your superpower. Aristotle underlined where your strengths and the needs of the world cross, there lies your vocation. What is it that is special and unique about your core business delivery, your products, your services, and how can that make a real difference to society? Starbucks, inspiring and nurturing the human spirit, one person, one cup, one neighborhood at a time. They're not in the coffee business, they're in the people business, and they've also made a deep environmental commitments. So it's about looking at yourself outside in, inside out, through the eyes of stakeholders. Now, what COVID has done has been to upend the equation, E, S, and G. What it's done is really focus on the S dimension to underline the dramatic need for health for a living wage in society. And this has led many to step up, even if they already have a strong effort on E, to focus also on S. This is where we see Loblaws, for example, a grocer in Canada, increasing frontline pay 15%, promising to stick to pre-COVID pricing and having early opening hours for seniors. Now, we also see some mistakes being made. Some companies have said, well, during COVID, let me focus on S, but I might just dial back what I was already doing on E. That's a very dangerous thing to do because there will be a time in the future where you're called to account. So does this actually help business results? And if it does, how does it help? We think it does. A strong purpose on ESG through this kind of approach can help in four ways. First of all, identifying new markets. There's terrific growth in organic brands. It helps you attract talent, especially Generation Z. In a world where two-thirds of the workforce in North America and Europe are largely disengaged or not actively engaged, a sense of meaning and purpose at work can double that level of engagement. Workers don't just bring rigor and discipline to work. They also bring initiative, creativity, collaboration. And we've seen a lot of that during COVID. It also increases investor attraction. Purpose and ESG focus decreases risk. It can lower the cost of capital. And it can also generate long-term shareholder returns. Raj Sisodia in his book, Firms of Endearment, did a longitudinal analysis which came out with a 14x outperformance of purpose companies versus the S&P. Around 80% of companies out there have a fluffy purpose statement, which means nothing and doesn't make a difference to the choices made day to day. Now, during COVID, stakeholders have often expected companies to shelve their purpose, waiting for the crisis to pass, which is almost counterintuitive at a time when stakeholders need purpose the most. People expect companies to step up, but I've often been disappointed at how they have done that. We see everybody saying purpose is important, but we also see companies are somehow frozen, waiting for the crisis to pass and therefore not stepping up. If you like, the game is won on the curves, not on the straights. And so what companies do now does make the biggest difference. There are standouts, though. Understanding, firstly, the acuteness of stakeholders' needs right now, bringing your superpowers to bear. We will all ask after COVID, what did we do during the COVID war? And we want to feel proud about being able to respond to that. The decisions we make today 
will be remembered long after. We've elevated our employees during COVID. It's the front line we're actually celebrating today, involving them in finding solutions during COVID. And perhaps we can leverage that too as we emerge from COVID. And of course, it's a source of energy, meaning and purpose, which gives people a reason for coming back to work. The discussion then moved to the four guest panelists and their experiences in applying corporate purpose, which Bruce moderated. Uber led a dramatic turnaround of Best Buy on the basis of purposeful human-centered leadership. I know you're writing a book about this on the heart of business, leading with purpose and humanity. But tell us, what is Best Buy's purpose? How did you discover it? And did it help when COVID hit? Yes, leading with purpose and humanity was core to the Best Buy turnaround and resurgence. And I think it's a good analogy with what we're dealing with now, because when I started in 2012, we were facing so many challenges like today, strategic challenges, operational challenges, financial challenges, shareholder challenges. What's common is the focus on first people, customers, and creating profit as an outcome. To your point, our purpose today at Best Buy is to enrich lives through technology by addressing key human needs. So we're not in the business of selling TVs or computers. The purpose is much bigger, which has allowed us to enlarge our addressable markets. For example, we've gotten into the health business, helping aging seniors live longer in their home independently with the help of sensors, remote monitoring, uh, and so forth. But I think a critical point, stating a purpose is something, operationalizing it is much more important. So over the last seven years, it's been all about what are the specific initiatives in support of the purpose? And beyond the strategy, it's about what I call unleashing human magic. What does it take to get 125,000 people to work in support of the purpose? I think there's a number of ingredients, like making sure everybody at the company connects their individual purpose and the purpose of the company. Other ingredient is authentic human connections, ensuring there's autonomy, helping people learn, and creating a, a growth environment. Were you able to bring shareholders along as well on the journey? Yes. When the crisis hits, nobody tried to define their performance on the basis of hitting the quarterly guidance. I think everybody focused on the safety and well-being of their employees. We had backup childcare for the employees. Mental health was very important. Ongoing communication. And then connecting your activities with the purpose, making sure that everybody's able to work from home learn from home, and as we start to reopen, and as companies start to work on their strategy post-COVID, I think using purpose and a safety lens to reinvent the business, to find new growth opportunities to offset the climate, I think that's going to be critical. Excellent. Let's now go right to the front line. Purpose doesn't matter unless it's built into the operational muscle. Uh, it's when the employees feel personally connected and act differently as a result that purpose really is materialized. We're going to talk to Rona Hulbert who's a veteran regional manager and store turnaround manager at Marks & Spencer's in England. Rona leads 26 stores. Is there a strong feeling of purpose in the operating heart of Marks & Spencer's at the moment? Without a doubt, I know that M&S would not be operating as well as it is during this crisis without an absolute strong sense of purpose throughout the entire organization. From day one, we have worked under the hashtag all in this together to feed the nation and to save our business. And every single employee we have is totally aligned to this. If I reflect back to seven weeks ago, we had to overnight 
close down our entire clothing and home operation, but keep our food operation going. Police were checking in our stores to make sure that we had done this. What we realized is we had far too many staff in the building. And a lot of my big stores that have 700 staff, I now didn't need 600 of them. So first of all, we went to the staff that we knew had underlying ill health, that were carers, that were over 70 or maybe pregnant, and all of them were able to go home on full pay for the next 12 weeks. Then how are we going to decide between 700 people and the 100 that we need? So we asked for volunteers. This was a risk because we thought we might get nobody or we get people with the wrong skill set that would volunteer. Every store manager had to sit down with every single employee and have this conversation. And unbelievably, we had far too many people put up their hand that they wanted to be on the front line and work instead of being at home furloughed on full pay. This was quite incredible because so we cannot control if the virus is brought in by a customer. We can give you all the PPE that is needed. Are you sure that you want to do this? And we were just overwhelmed with the amount of people wanting to work. There was a direct correlation between if I had a really inspirational store manager, more people in that store put their hands up. So we had to go back to everyone and say, we need you to play your part by going home. It was quite a challenge because administratively, we then furloughed 25,000 people in three days. Something that really helped us connect throughout this was the Microsoft Teams. So if our CEO wants to give a state of the nation message, he can directly to every single person's device in the organization send a message out. But what mm. it also means is that Mary on the food till can also send the CEO a direct message, unfiltered, about her views and what she thinks we need to do. And that has been really, really helpful in this situation to get communication all the way through the organization very quickly. Amazing. And Ronick, when you go to a store now, how do you know that day-to-day -day the purpose is being lived? We have had to be super agile, and the whole way we work in stores has had to change. But the key thing is, that our support centers had to close down. So people on the front line are having to innovate and almost make it up as they go along. Almost every day we're finding an Apollo 13 scenario. What I've been so excited about is seeing how easily the teams and stores have adapted to being unfettered and empowered. For an example, one of my store managers, she runs a huge shop probably 700 staff, every day customers would come and they'd be queuing outside in the rain waiting to do their essential food shop. And she thought, well, this isn't good enough. I need to get them inside. So she cleared away her whole clothing and home area and created a snaking queuing system into food so she could bring everybody in out of the rain inside. And because she's commercially adept, she thought, we're not taking any money in clothing and home. So maybe in that queuing system, I can put some essential items that people might want. She tried this for a day and it was amazing. She sent it up the line on Teams. And the following Monday, the CEO invited her onto his call that goes to every staff member in the organization. And she presented her idea. And this was then rolled up. Everybody did it. It was a real example that everybody is trying to think of better and new ways of doing it. Because in head office, they don't understand what it's actually like in a store where you're trying to control the capacity, keep social distancing keep the food on the shelves, and keep staff happy. One of the things that we realize is fairly important roles have emerged. And probably the most important is the role of the door host to control the capacity in the store. However, having somebody standing with a clipboard is not very welcoming for customers. 
do you want to have your very best person who's really engaging in that job? And they are entertaining the queue that is outside. They're having a bit of fun and banter. They're talking about the deals and offers. They're also tempting customers about what to buy. Also, we had a whole industry of deep cleaning all the trolleys and baskets back of house. And what we realized is the customers didn't believe that we were actually doing it. So we gave her the trolleys on the door and she would clean the trolley handle and hand it to the first customer in the queue and say, here you go. The customers were then telling us, I'm coming here specifically because I know the trolley is safe to touch. Amazing. Is there a silver lining that you could see in your stores with the front line stepping up? What is interesting is that last year we embarked on a five-year transformation plan. And we pretty much got to year five after seven weeks, which is just incredible because now I've got a multi-skilled, super flexible, committed workforce who want to be at work. And they know that we are looking after them. We're looking after our suppliers and we're also looking after our community. Every day at the end of the day, all the food that is now waste is distributed amongst the local community. I know we would not have survived the last seven weeks without our staff being totally committed and understanding of our purpose. Let's go over to Roma. You lead ESG across Campbell's Soup. What would you add uh, from the experience actually embedding ESG? You know, it's our purpose, real food that matters for life's moment. It's had a profound impact on our company, our employees, how we think, how we talk, how we act. And it's truly a filter for decision-making. Right as things were ramping up with COVID-19 in March, we had an employee town hall scheduled sharing our quarterly earnings results. We had already planned for that entire town hall meeting to be focused on purpose perfect timing. And it was very natural for us because purpose is built in as one of the four pillars of our strategic plan. And within that pillar, you have three major components. You have real food, which is what goes into the food that we make. You have ESG, and then you have community. On ESG in particular, we had already outlined some key focus areas that have not changed because they're areas of focus for our peers, so collectively we can make a difference. They are meaningful to our specific consumers and they're areas of strength at our company. And in terms of embedding them in the DNA of the organization, those focus areas are owned by their natural functions. Right now, because of COVID-19, we are leaning more heavily into S, as you talked about, Mm -hmm. and in particular, well-being and safety of our employees is our primary concern. We have health screenings and temperature readings through thermal imaging at every site. We're extremely limiting access to our facilities. We've increased hiring so that we can absorb the increased demand. As you can imagine, most households in North America probably have a Campbell product in their pantry right now. We have very aggressive social distancing in our site. In addition to that, we're also leaning heavily into to the community piece, and particularly the 33 communities in which we operate and have donated nearly $5 million in financial and food support to those communities. That's excellent, Roma. Now let's switch over to Rory. Rory, Chief Learning Officer at Telefonica, I know you've written an excellent book on purpose, the more purposeful and human workplace, and you play an important role coaching and embedding purpose in leadership. What is Telefonica's purpose? How has Telefonica supported its stakeholders during COVID? So Telefonica's purpose is to make the world a more human place by connecting lives. And in the last few years, it's been the first thing that our CEO has said at every big meeting. Now, I look after the learning within the company, and we have a corporate university, but our learning 
is not based on corporate strategy or marketing or finance. Everything that underpins us, in fact, is purpose. So when we came into these times of, of corona and these, these terrible times, we also saw it as an opportunity because we're always talking about the importance to pause, to find the eye of the storm. And corona has acted a bit like the big pause for everybody. And with 120,000 plus employees, most of them stuck at home, we offered them a virtual course, but not based on corporate strategy, based on the individual purpose. If you want to awaken all of humanity, first of all, awaken yourself. And for us, that begins with purpose. So it's been the thrust of these online courses. That's an extraordinary example of leveraging technology in the crisis to expand the solution space. What's been the feedback of the employees? It's very tough times in your sector. The feedback has been a phenomenon. We have this beautiful corporate university in Barcelona where I'm based, and, and of course, people love coming there. And I thought at first that doing a course online about purpose would not really engage that was wrong. I think maybe people are ready to accept these sort of concepts. With our two-day program on purpose, the feedback has been better than any presential course on campus. Rory, thank you for that. Let's come back to Uber. We're now about to reopen or restart in some geographies. What advice would you have for CEOs on leading with purpose? One, uh Make sure that throughout this crisis, you take care of yourself. All of us used to fly, right? So remember the message from the steward or stewardess, put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you can help others. Taking the time to be clear about what's important to you. What kind of a leader do you want to be in this crisis? Making sure that you have a daily routine where you take care of yourself, because this is going to be a marathon. If you cannot go outside, go inside. Second piece of advice, so there's the reopening phase and then there's getting ready for the post-COVID phase. I think now is the time to start thinking about what the world is going to look like afterwards. The COVID crisis is going to have a huge impact on most companies, not evenly distributed. Many companies are going to have to shrink. So finding ways to reinvent yourself, this is a reset, not a restart. Use purpose and safety as a key driver to reinvent your product and your processes in terms of reach, customer experience, if you're a retailer, a lot of your stores are closed, but you can do digital clienteling at scale. So from the store in Manhattan, you can connect with customers not fortunate to live in New York and have them visit the store and use that to grow the business. Last piece of advice is consider how to lead. This is a time to lead with purpose and humanity. The time of the uh, CEO as the superhero that's long gone, and so we need to reinvent ourselves as leaders. The group then turned to questions from the audience. One attendee asked how purpose differs from mission and which should be developed first. Here's Bruce. I'd say mission is more about your destination. Where are you going? Uh, and purpose is all about why. Why is that the destination? However, these two things are linked. And I don't think that it's crucial to be too separatist about them. There's a great saying, which is that there's no shortcut to anywhere worth going. The mission is about the destination. That journey to get there it needs to be purposeful or it can be a grind. Rory, you may have an answer to that one as well. Yeah, purpose is more profound. Purpose is deeper. Purpose is omnipotent. It's everywhere. It's something more than a mission. 
or a goal which would change over time. Bill, you may want to add to that. Yeah, we say keep it simple. At Best Buy, it's 125,000 employees. They're not going to care about the distinction between purpose, mission. Say it to me and help me understand in incredibly simple terms what it is. For us, it really made sense for the employees when we translated the purpose in terms of guiding behaviors, make it real, and talk about tomorrow. And the most powerful one was be human. So when you interact with customers, you want to be an inspiring friend. You want to use common language words that a part-time employee, maybe they're in college, they're going to be delivering the purpose. And it took us time because simple is really hard. Another attendee asked for practical advice on discovering and developing purpose and how to know when you've succeeded in embedding purpose throughout your organization. Bruce offered the first comments. You got to start by a bit of introspection and external listening. First, do some benchmarking. What makes you special relative to your peers, your competitors? What is it that excites your people internally? And then do a little bit of looking in the mirror, hold up the mirror through the eyes of your stakeholders on those vulnerabilities and superpowers. And what's important, too, on that journey is you need to involve the stakeholders at the very beginning. Many companies launch a whole effort on purpose, which they then present to stakeholders at the end and expect them to be happy. You have to involve the stakeholders at the beginning so they feel part of the journey. Roma, you may have some thoughts on that from the Campbell purpose journey. Building on something that Uber said is you do have to humanize it. Every single employee has to see and understand what purpose means. It's more than one line. You have to really dissect it for people. Our purpose, there are actually five major components to that, and it starts with real food is food that we would be proud to serve in our own home. I think anybody who works for Campbell's Soup Company can, can take that statement and internalize it. Second is it has root. We know where our ingredients are coming from, and we're working with those farmers. It's prepared with care and then transparency. The final question for the panel was how companies should measure and report on their progress in advancing and supporting their corporate purpose. Rona Halbert offered her thoughts, and she was followed by Roma McKaig of Campbell Soup. In M&S, our customers are our shareholders. They are the people that are watching and shopping at the stores, so they're seeing this being played out. They're very vocal community. Also, every night, our waste food becomes expired. We record onto an app, which we've developed in this crisis. And the app goes straight to the communities that we have linked to, all the the food banks, etc. And then they know exactly what they're going to get and they pick it up. We've made very public commitments, which means we've got to show progress against those. We just rolled out five new commitments in community that we will hold ourselves accountable for. Publicly stating what you're signing up for is an important way to show that you're living into your purpose. Your purpose is your narrative. It is your story. But then it comes down to being able to show how you're delivering on that purpose. So clarity, specificity, and having real components in place that say this is why we're doing certain things and we can connect it back to our business strategy. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside the Strategy Room. An edited transcript of this discussion will soon be available on the Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice site on McKinsey.com, where you will also find links to our previous episodes and you can sign up to receive email alerts on our latest publications. We invite you to follow us also on Twitter at MCK Strategy or connect with us on LinkedIn via the McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice page. McKinsey's latest insights on the COVID crisis are available at McKinsey. 
lindsay.com coronavirus. And finally, if you'd like to share feedback or an idea for a future episode, please email us at strategycf, that's for corporate finance, underscore practice at mckinsey.com. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to having you join us again soon for our next episode of Inside the Strategy Room.